0: you are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon in regards to Father's Day is called Be a Man. Now women, before you tune me out, I know it sounds like this message isn't for you, but it's a message that can help you if you're in the stage of looking for a man, or if you have a husband who needs to man up in certain areas. These are some things that we can look at and pray and believe for. So women, listen in. But men, I want to talk with you today on Father's Day and encourage you and remind you to be a man. There's this new term that has somehow just showed up over the last year or two called toxic masculinity. You can go Google that and figure that out. But it's It's the way that the world is trying to define what a man should or shouldn't be. The world is trying to tell the men, this is what you should, this is what you shouldn't do, this is how you should be, this is how you shouldn't be, and whatever. I don't care what the world is telling me what to say, I want to go to the Scriptures and find out what the Word of God tells me in regards to being a man. If you are a Christian, then You believe what this book says, what the Word of God says, that is living and breathing and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, it says, that the Word of God was inspired by God. He inspired men to write down these scriptures that we stand on and believe. So I don't really believe whatever is being told out there. What I believe is what's in this book. And so today we're going to highlight... What I believe the Scriptures is telling us, you as men should be. And we're going to go back to the very beginning. Because if we're going to go back and we're going to figure out what this book is telling us to be a man, then we need to. We've talked about this before in other series. It's called hermeneutics or the study of the Bible. It's called the Law of First Mentions. So we want to find out kind of the first conversation, the first uh, time that God speaks to a man and what he tells that man before sin enters into the world and messes up everything. That is the heart and the intent of what God is telling to Adam on what to do and how to be a man. So we're going to read in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to pull out some truths in there. Um, And the first truth that we're going to pull out of this text, is for you to be a man, number one, you must enjoy life. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it, Verse 16 and 17 is where we're going to hone in for this first truth, and it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And we've read this scripture, and we've heard this scripture preached many, many times before, and people always go to the negative side of what God is saying. God is establishing this law. God is establishing this rule. God is telling man that if you eat of this tree, then you will surely die. And we know that they eat of the tree. And they didn't die physically right there, but they died spiritually. There was separation that happened. We don't want to highlight that negative part. We've heard it time and time again. We want to go back to the very first thing that God tells him in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. You may freely eat. Enjoy life that God created this earth. God created this garden and he put all of these trees with all of these fruits all of these areas and opportunities that man could go and enjoy life. He tells the man, of all the trees that are in this garden you can eat of, you can go look at every tree, you can look at every leaf, you can taste every piece of fruit, you can go to this tree, you can go to that tree, That you can go out and enjoy life. Sometimes we get tied down into the negative aspect of Christianity. Well, God says that I can't drink, smoke, or dance, or hang out with any women that do. And that is Christianity. As soon as I say yes to Jesus, I say no to the rest of the world, and I sit in the pew until I die, and then we'll celebrate in heaven. Woo! Christianity is so fun. It's a thing that seems to be taught out there where where Jesus came and said, I've come to give life and more abundantly. That Jesus showed up and lived his life and enjoyed his life. How do I know he enjoyed his life? The first miracle is going to a wedding and a party and keeping the party going. After they had been well drunk, it says, his mom says, hey, we're running out of party juice. Can you help us out? He said, woman, it's not my time. He said, Okay, that's cool. Uh, whatever he tells you to do, he'll keep the party going. He could have said, fill up one pot and that'll be enough. They believe that one pot could have been up to 150 gallons of water in one pot. That's a lot of wine. It's a lot of water. But he fills up six of them And he could have made the wine of bitter taste. Well, they've drank enough. They've partied enough. Let's let's bring this party down. And when he brings the cup to the main man of the party, he says, you save the best wine for last. I feel like Jesus enjoying life, in my mind, as he's walking on the water, almost a smile on his face as his disciples are screaming, ah, it's a ghost. As Jesus is sitting in the house after Lazarus is raised, we see him at least two or three different times having dinner with Lazarus and his family. We see Jesus enjoying life, going out and experiencing life. The Scripture says in Psalms, chapter 16, verse 11, David writes, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That he's going to show you the path of life, and if he's showing me the path of life, then therefore I must be in his presence. And it says if I'm in his presence, there is fullness of joy. That we go on this journey with God, men, that life is rough and tough unfair, a kick in the teeth, but one of the first things that God instructs man to do is to go out and enjoy life and enjoy what He has created and prepared for man. Another scripture in Psalms, Psalms 118 verse 24, we've heard this scripture before, this is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. You see, there's a choice there. I will. I could choose to not rejoice in this day. I could choose not to be happy or glad in this day. Well, nothing ever good happens to me. It's going to be a bad week this week. Work is busy. Got a big project going on. I'm going to be tired. No, no, no. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to choose to enjoy it. I'm going to find a way to enjoy life. I'm going to look around and find a tree that I've never seen before in the garden. I'm going to taste a new fruit that I've never tasted before in the garden. I know God told me not to touch that tree, but if Adam would have been busy going out tasting and seeing the other trees, he wouldn't have been drawn back to that tree. The tree was in the middle of the garden. Him and Eve should have been out exploring and enjoying life around the garden, not next to the tree where the snake knew he could bring his ways and tempt them. Men, we've got to enjoy life. Famous author Hans Christian Andersen wrote a bunch of children's stories, The Little Mermaid, The Emperor's New Clothes, and other stories, wrote this simple quote, Enjoy life, there's plenty of time to be dead. Enjoy life because there's plenty of time to be dead. We understand in the Scriptures it says that life is but a vapor. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow. Scripture actually says we're not even promised tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow, but focus on today. That we learn to enjoy life. So many people, so many men are just going from one trial to the next one, from one struggle to the next one. Well, I've got to pay bills. I've got to take care of the wife. I've got to fix the house. I've got to fix the car. I've got to take care of the in-laws. I've got to take care of the outlaws. I've got to take care of the animals. I've got to listen to my boss. Thank you. I've got to do all of these things, and then tomorrow I've got to do the same thing again. I've got to hear this person nag. I've got to hear that person nag. But men, it's vital and important with the first thing that God tells man, take time and enjoy life. Make it a priority in your life to go out and enjoy it figure out what you enjoy, and go do it. Because if you don't, then all of a sudden that tree starts looking tempting. All of a sudden, those sin cycles, those insecurities, you get drawn back to the middle of your garden. You get isolated. You get brought in, and you start hating life. Start hating your family, hating your job, hating your church, ultimately hating your God because you're mad and frustrated for the simple fact that you aren't doing what God told you to do and what God created you to do to go out and enjoy life. Let's keep reading in the passage. The second truth that we can pull out of the scriptures as God is speaking to Adam is to do your job. To do your job. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the beginning, God speaks to Adam and he says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Look, here's his job, to tend and to keep it. We're going to jump down to 18 and read 18 through 20. And the Lord God said to Adam, It is not good that man should be alone. See what we were just talking about? Being isolated. It's not good that man should be alone. He says, therefore, I will make him a helper comparable to him. Verse 19, and out of the ground with the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam. And look, here's another job for Adam. And Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Verse 20, so Adam gave names to all the cattle to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. Thank God he created women and didn't leave us with cows and cats to hang out with. God instructs man to go out and enjoy the garden, but he also tells man, do your job that it's vital and important that there is a job and there is a purpose and there is a reason that I've placed you on this earth, that I've placed you in this time in history, that I've placed you in this family, that I've placed you in this community, in this area, for such a time as this, and there is a job and a purpose for each and every man that you need to do. And it's vital and important that you do your job, because I can't do your job. Some jobs that men are instructed to do in the Scriptures is Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Paul is writing to the church of Rome, and he says, For as we have many members in one body, talking about the church, but all the members do not have the same function. Imagine, men, if we all had microphones up on us today, we were all standing in a line, all preaching to the empty pews, or the women in the pews, all talking about different things at different times. Boy, that would be a great service. It'd be terrible. It says in the Scriptures that we're all a part of one body of Christ, but we don't all have the same functions. That there are men and women here today that are working in different avenues of the church to cause it to function. That we're working before you got here. That'll be working after you got here. That'll be working in the church throughout the week. That there is a function and a purpose for each and every one. When you say yes to God, God has already said yes to you. I learned love because He loved me first, the scripture says. And He called me into His kingdom, yes, to be His son, yes, for you to be His daughter, but He also called you into His kingdom because He has a job, He has a purpose, He has a reason. He has a special gift inside of you that you can bring to the table in his kingdom. Sometimes that's full time ministry, other times it's being an entrepreneur and starting your own business. Sometimes it's raising a family, taking care of your priorities at home. Sometimes it's writing a book. Sometimes it's helping somebody with their business and helping that grow, that God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you, and each and every one of us is different. That's why it's so vital and important to be in church and to be in a building together at the same time, because there's something that I need from you, and there's something you need from me, and there's something that you need from the person on your left and right, and there's something that they need from you. Because God has created you to do your job, and it's our purpose to reach out and have that relationship with God and find out what that calling is, find out what He wants me to do, and when I find that out, I go and do it and be successful in it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19, husbands, here's another job, if you're married, love your wives and do not be bitter. Toward them. I think another word, my brain's failing me. I think it's instigate as well. Don't be bitter toward your wives. Men, sometimes, the opposite sex can annoy us. We don't understand them. I'll be the first to admit it. You're happy, you're sad, you're mad, you're crying, you're yelling, all in five minutes. And I don't know what I did was wrong outside of saying, I'm sorry and I'm going to go hide somewhere and we'll figure this out tomorrow. Husbands, love your wives. Love is a job, love is a sacrifice, doing something that you don't want to do in the moment that you need to do it. Be a man and love your wife, give her a kiss. Tell her how pretty she looks. Take her out on a date. Take care of the kids. Let her go get a massage. And don't be bitter toward her when she doesn't do what you thought or expected her to do. But when I get home from work and supper's not ready and a plate's not on the table, what are you doing, woman? What have you done all day? I've been working. I work from home, so I'm like in the office right next to the kitchen. So I know what she does all day. It's Chase those two creatures around the three acres of our property for 10 hours. But men, you have a job to do in regards to being married. The Scripture says husbands love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. But pastor, you don't know what she's done or hasn't done for me. I know, husbands love your wives. That's what the Bible says. Forgive them. Here's another scripture, husbands and fathers, in order for you to do your job. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And you, fathers, specifically, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That's your job, fathers. It's your job, fathers, to teach your children about who God is and the ways of God and what God does and how good He is and the miracles that have happened in your household. It's your job to teach them and tell them and explain to them who God is and how God is good. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Don't provoke them. Don't provoke them, train them up, love on them, admonish them. To be a man, there's a job that you have to do, and we need you to do it. Now more than ever, do we need to see a representation of a godly marriage? The world out there is telling us what marriage is supposed to be. The world out there is telling us how we're supposed to raise our children. The world out there is telling us what fathers are supposed to look like or not supposed to look like. But the Word of God has been telling us for years and decades and centuries and throughout history, it has been teaching us and showing us as men what we should be doing in this community. And if we were doing those things that the Scriptures were telling us to do, we wouldn't be... Dealing with what the world is dealing with and telling us to do right now. If we as men would stand up and be men and do our job, love our wives, don't provoke our children, teach our children what God is and what God isn't, and then find out what your purpose and your calling is in the kingdom of God and do that with all your might. The NFL has a coach by the name of Bill Belichick. You've probably heard of him before, whether you like sports or don't. He's the head coach of the New England Patriots. And there is a mantra that they have in their building. And the mantra, all it says is, do your job. And it doesn't just apply to players. It applies to players. It applies to coaches. It applies to the people in the facility. It applies to the people in the executive offices. It applies to those that are filling up the water jugs, to those that are bringing out the pads and the footballs, to those that are fixing uh, the cleats and all of those things. There's a mantra that they believe that says, do your job. Because if you do your job, then we will succeed. If you stay focused in what your job is, whether you're on the field, off the field, helping behind the scenes, if you do your job, then we're going to succeed. And Bill Belichick has right now 31 playoff wins. Bill Belichick has gone to the Super Bowl nine times and won six of those times with the mantra of telling people just do your job. He's not asking the water boy to be the quarterback. He's not asking the wide receiver to block and punt and kick and throw the ball. He's not asking the tight end to play defensive end and rush the quarterback. The coach isn't asking his special teams coach to go coach the defense. He's saying, if you're the special teams coach, I want you to do your job and do that perfectly. Find out what it is, how to do it, and teach those people how to do it. That is your job as the coach. And these people have bought into it. And the more that they've bought into it, the more championships that seem. Whether you like the Patriots or not, whether you believe in them, like them, hate them, whatever, they have been successful for all of these years by following this simple mantra of do your job. So I want to encourage you today, find out what God has called you to do. He's called you to do something, men. And it's something that is vital and important to his kingdom, and to this church, and to this community, and to your family, and to your children. Do your job. And lastly, we have find time to rest. Men, the last truth we're pulling out of this is find time to rest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, "...and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept." And he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Men, more than ever, you need to find time to rest. Because it shows us in this scripture right here that when you rest and you rest with God, it gives time for God to work on you. God to pull some things out. God to sew some things up. God, to touch some things, remove some things, pull some things out of you, put some things inside of you to help you grow as a man of God, to help you grow as a father, to help you grow as a husband. We see Adam. He puts Adam down. He tells Adam to rest and he goes to sleep, that you find time and make it a priority in the busyness of life. I know you work every day. I know you come home and have to deal with the kids. You have to deal with the wife. And then you have to go back to work and you're at the church and you're working at the church and you're working at the house and you're working here. The in-laws call. Your family calls. You gotta go work on the car. You've got to go work on the dog. You've got to go work. You've got to go work. You've got this. You've got this. You've got that. We're constantly going, going, going. And it's vital that you find time to rest before your body tells you we're going to rest If you're not going to stop, your body is going to tell you, today we stop. And that usually doesn't end well. That God, through this journey in Genesis chapter 2, He tells them to go out and enjoy life. He tells them, I have specifically placed a job for you to do, but while you're out doing that job, make it a priority to rest. This is a scripture, Psalms chapter 4, verse 8, is a scripture that I quote quite frequently, especially to my children. I pray it in faith every night before I put my children down. And it says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. And in you, O Lord, I will dwell in safety. How can you fall asleep if you're having trouble falling asleep? It's understanding that God is in charge that in God there is safety, and therefore I know that I am safe with God. No matter what situation, no matter what season, no matter what issues going against me, I'm going to lie down in my bed and go to sleep knowing that God is in charge. God knows what's going on in my life, and God's already working to make all things good to those that are called according to his purpose through those in Christ Jesus. So therefore I can lie down in peace, and I can sleep. I'm not going to lie down in worry. I'm not gonna lie down in stress. I'm not gonna lie down in fear. I'm not gonna lie down because the next thing isn't gonna happen. You're not gonna go to sleep if you're just constantly turning and tossing in your head. Well, how am I gonna make more money? How am I gonna fix this marriage? How am I gonna reach out to my kids? How am I gonna wake up tomorrow and love the job that I've hated for the last 10 years? How am I going to deal with these things as you're just tossing and turning and turning and tossing? And then the alarm goes off and you say, well, here we go. We're going to start another day. It's going to stink like the rest of them. No, no, no. We are called to enjoy life, to go out and do what God has called us to do, to follow in that purpose and that calling, which helps me lie down in peace and sleep. What is your restful moment? In your life, when is the last time you could say, I truly was resting? Is it in the mountains? Is it at the beach? Is it in the city? Is it in the country? Is it working in your yard? Is it working in a garden? Is it being alone? Is it being with a bunch of people? Is it going to a new restaurant? Is it going in the house, taking a nap Sunday afternoon on Father's Day and Telling the kids, you better not come in this room. When is the last time you rest, men? It's vital and important. Is it fishing? What hobby is it where you can just decompress and de-stress and let things go and have that moment with God and that moment with yourself where you can just breathe, rest, and be recharged to go out and face the day? God has not called us to be weak, tired, lackadaisical men. He's called us to be soldiers in His army. He's told us to go out there and fight and destroy the works of the devil. Make it a priority to find time to rest. And as I finish up, in Genesis chapter 23 through 25... I might have missed the scripture. Let's see. Let's go back up. There it is. Verse 22. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Verse 24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Verse 25, we're finishing. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. Praise God. A little bonus thing, men, that I want to tell you today in regards to being a man, and women, you might agree with me on this, is listen to your help. That God says that there wasn't someone who could be a helpmate for him. And then he created woman and says, this is your help. And then once Jesus dies on the cross, he sends his Holy Spirit, who is called the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of you. So when you get married to Jesus through salvation, he gives you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And when you get married in the flesh, in the physical, to a woman, He also gives you a helper or a helpmate to go side by side with you. And men, I want to encourage you to listen to that helper because she has the Holy Spirit inside of her just like you do, and there are things that she is designed and purposed inside of her that is her job to help you as a husband fulfill your job. And a lot of times... You just hear your wife telling you to do stuff, and it sounds like she's nagging. She's never satisfied with what you're doing. You don't do enough. I'm preaching to myself. A couple, right before we moved here, the prophet Andre and his wife prophesied over me and Maddie. And one of the things that his wife prophesied to me about Maddie, he said, she said to me, that your wife hears from the Lord and hears from Him very clearly. And you need to listen to what she's saying because it's not just her telling you to do something, it's God telling you to do something through her. And He told me that in front of the whole congregation of the church. So everybody heard the prophet tell me that I have to listen to my wife and do what my wife tells me to do. And she holds that over me all the time, and I'm so thankful for that. But she has told me as we have journeyed through life certain things that I need to do in regards to the church, in regards to my personal life, in regards to the kids, in regards to different things, and she'll say, I'm telling you to do this, and you know that you need to do this. It's not just me telling you to do this. And a lot of the times that things that she tells me to do are things that I do not want to do. They're not comfortable to me in my flesh. I don't want to do that because it usually involves me doing more work or doing something else or changing this or calling this person or doing that. And over the last couple of years since that word has been spoken, I have tried my best to say, yes, ma'am. I'll listen to what you're saying. I'll do that. And I've seen, we have seen blessing and things change in my personal life, in our ministry and different things because I listen to the help that God has placed in my life. The woman that God has placed in your life has been sent there for a purpose to help you and you need to listen to her. The last scripture I have and we're finishing up right now is Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verses 9 through 10 kind of ties in everything that we talked about today. Live joyfully with your wife, whom you love all the days of your vain life. Man, he is a rough book to read. Uh, Which he has given you under the sun, all your days of vanity. Praise God. For that is your portion in life and the labor in which you perform under the sun. Look at verse 10. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Glad we're ending with that. Boy, that's a real encouraging one. (laughs) Let's take some of the, the good meat out of there. Live joyfully with your wife. Go out there and enjoy life. Enjoy life with what God has done for you. It says, whatever you find to do, whatever God has called you to do, do that with all your might. Men, go out there and do your job. But after you do your job, find time to rest. Find time to rest and recover. And just like that scripture says, live joyfully with your wife. Happy wife, happy life. Listen to what she has to say because there's something inside of her that God has already purposed and planned to help you. And you know what? There's something inside of you that you also get to tell your wife what to do sometimes. Not all the time, very very rarely, but sometimes you get the opportunity to encourage your wife to do something as well to help her on her journey. This is what God has entitled and called you as a man to be. The world out there is trying to tell you what you should or shouldn't be, but let's see what the Bible says tells us to do, and go out there and be a man on Father's Day. We are right there at 11. We will get you in line at those restaurants and buffets in no time. So let's stand up. Let's get ready to head out and enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you so much, fathers, for making it a priority to be in church, to bring your spouse to church, to bring your kids to church, uh, and be here. We honor each and every father here today. We know what you're doing and what you're going through, uh, and we hope that this word is encouraging to help you as you go through. And women, I hope you enjoyed that. If you're believing for a spouse and you're believing for a husband, find a husband and start praying for those things right there. I want a husband that will enjoy life. I will uh, want a husband that will work and do his job. I want a husband that will listen to me as his helpmate, and I want a husband who will go out there and rest as well. So Father, we thank you for the fathers. We thank you for the men that are here today. And I thank you that you have called them, and you've called them up higher into a place where they are right now and to where they're going, that they are men. They are men of the Most High God. They are souls in your army. And Father, they will go out and they will accomplish your purpose and your goal in their lives, in their families, in their wives, in their children, in their church, in their jobs, in their households. We will stand up and be men and we will do what you have called us and told us to do. So Father, bless these fathers. Give them rest today. Give them rest as they lie down in peace and sleep, as they understand that in you is where they dwell in safety. Father, I thank you for this group of men and women today. I thank you for this congregation. We call them blessed and highly favored. Father, I thank you. It says in your word that they have the mind of Christ. They are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now, and they're blessed where you're bringing them in their future. Father, I thank you that everything they put their hands to must prosper. Father, I thank you that you sent your word and you healed them of all disease and all destruction, Father. I thank you that by Jesus' stripes, their body is already healed. Father, I thank you that they are the salt and light of the earth. And everywhere they go this week, they will shine and diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ everywhere they go. So, Father, bless your people, protect your people, and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen happy Father's Day. We love you. We'll see y'all next week. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PressChurchSC and have a great week.